I always sound like Doris Stokes when I talk about <laughs> But it's all like, is anybody there? And it's just what, I just want to be suffused with a character. You do sound mad when you talk about writing, but it twists itself more greenish. She doesn't fancy girls, but she thinks she knows which ones she would if she did. Loath to rub an eye. I the interesting thing. And you have to observe when you're a nurse. It's your job. People talk and tell you things. and A good training for a writer. Until Friday. What is it about? I've no need of a packed supper. Ferris can't understand. She swears by the intermittent fasting. Sick of telling her. This is a big Eventually, you just don't really care. You have to just not care because someone will knock on the door and you'll be in your pyjamas at three o'clock in the afternoon. And you can see the thing. And what does she actually do? And you just have to not care. Really What are all of us doing? Right here and right now, this is the Fictionable Podcast with me, Richard Lee. We started this autumn series with M. John Harrison, whose correspondence course in Practical Mechanics is going swimmingly. And then suddenly a new note will turn up and I'll think, wait a minute, here we go. Here's the pivot. Here's a hinge. Then we welcomed Irena Carper, who reminisced about the good old days. When I was young, I really liked to provoke. I really liked being Marilyn Manson in the literature and like, ha-ha, really lying about my sex, drugs, life. Being And Sean Patrick Burney, who's having some trouble with the water company. It's how that bullshit, to use that word, kind of cascades through the culture. Next week, we'll be hearing from Catriona Bolt, who'll be reading from her story, Bloom. But this week, we head north to talk to Shauna McKay. When she joined us down the line from Yorkshire, she began by reading from the opening of her story, matching up the pattern of the join. Trina had called her down on Tuesday to help defuse that scrap over the fake tan mitt. But other than that, getting off lightly. Quiet one so far, touch wood, a head'll do. Annie loves her sleep-ins week. The staff flat is tidy, though not at Annie's taste. She likes splashes of lime green and things nobody else has got. She's on the couch soaking a cotton wool bowl with masala water while watching some singer get interviewed on the telly. Writes her own stuff, saying how she can't ignore the sad things of life when it comes to lyrics, but likes to set them against a happy tune. Euphoric trance, she calls it. Keeps her up, apparently. Annie's staring harder as the glow coming out of the telly twists itself more greenish. She doesn't fancy girls, but she thinks she knows which ones she would if she did. Loath to rub an eye. Might hold off until the host turns to chat to the actor or that tall comedian who'd once shown her his loose change in a dream. Weird what gets stuck in your nut. This thing I can stay in there if she likes. Permission given. Girl has got it going on. Bubbling over with her own joyous self. Meanwhile, she's sat here needing a burp. Only thing she's bubbling over with, apart from the sparkly water she's just necked, is regret. Trying to forget about Ferris tonight, though. He'd made us some sandwiches and there'd been a satsuma crisps and a packet of yoghurt-coated cranberries because his nana works in Holland and Barrett. Winged the lot trainers way at the handover. Lasses on her night shifts, hanging from lack of sleep. Got two under two and her mam who would have normally had them for her is in Falaraki till Friday. What is it about I've no need of a packed supper Ferris can't understand? She swears by the intermittent fasting. Sick of telling him. This is the beauty of her sleep-ins week. Can pretend to be single from eight to eight. Even gets paid. The singer's names, four capital letters, each separated by a dot. 
the horse trying to rip her for it, asking what's her beef with the vowels. Annie wouldn't mind having more of the same things as Beatrix. This proper inside things, not just throws and rugs and mugs and stuff. Ditching our vowels could be a start. Doesn't feel fully in the world as Annie. Might as well be just NN. Less is more, they say. McKay is an award-winning writer whose short fiction has appeared in magazines such as Agni, Ambit and the New Ohio Review. But what was the template for her pattern? I don't usually have a template. I just sort of sit down and say I'm going to write a story and then just see. I always sound like Doris Stokes when I talk about <laughs> It's all right, is anybody there? And it's just what... I just want to be suffused with a character. You do sound mad when you talk about writing, but, you know. It's a voice that comes to you. It's a character. It's a person. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So are there tricks that you play on yourself? There are strategies you adopt so that you make a voice come? Yes. Depending on my mood, I'll just set up a little kind of game or something. Get out a Ouija board. <laughs> It depends really on my mood on the day. I just pick a little game to get started, really. Like put random things together or pick a number and open a book at that page and stick my finger on a sentence and bounce off that sentence or look at a postcard or... I just try to mix it up so it's it's play for me. But you don't dabble in the occult. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think I do. Do you ever wonder where they come from, these voices? No. Well, it's something to do with words. The words are the magical ingredient. <laughs> Sound like a witch now. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's the words. It's just, it's through the words, I think. I think. Quite a few of the characters in your short stories are on the cusp, on some sort of moment of change, like Annie. Is that just the kind of voice that comes to you, the voice that starts talking? People are a little bit on the edge. I don't know if it's because I'm trying to write a story, so something's... Um, I mean, because things happen in stories, so there's got to be something going to happen. I think so, yeah. Annie's a little bit younger than some of your other characters. Were you channelling the young people around you or remembering from your own life? Probably both. It's just listening to the character and and just let the character take the lead. If they're young, they're young and... I can't remember the story I wrote before the Annie story, but it was probably a heavier story and an older character. I just want a bit of a different energy. You probably have more control than you think. I suppose if you go to work, you go, oh, I hope I'm not on shift with such and such today. You just want something a bit different, yeah. Are there characters you particularly enjoy spending time with? Well, every character I've written, I must want to be with them. I think, <laughs> for whatever reason. There aren't characters you start writing and the voice comes to you and the voice is working, but it's kind of a pain. Yes, I mean, that's good. I quite like that. I quite like thinking, oh, God, who the hell are you? But you just have to try and understand <laughs> them, you know, and just the character comes from the words and the rhythm and the sound and the tone. and the And so you kind of like them because they've come from this place of, You've probably asked them to come because of how you've mixed and banged words together. You know, you should think, well, who are you? And you're quite an interesting character. 
I'll just sort of hang about with you for a while. It's interesting you say that the characters are coming from the words and then you say, and the place, because there's quite a lot of place in your stories. They've got a real northern feel to them. Yeah, I suppose because of a voice. <laughs> it isn't like clairvoyancy where the voice just hovers in the air. It's a bit like clairvoyancy. <laughs> but they have to be in the world. And I think quite often they struggle to be in the world because they might have just started out just wanting to be a voice in the ether. But I've pull them into the world and they're probably struggling to get I don't I don't know what it is really but but they all say I or ma'am or last they're not talking RP are they no but that's probably because I don't and it's the characters I've been around and it's the rhythms and the sounds and the tones and the culture and area and things I know best it's tempting to suggest that you might be drawing a bit on your time working as a nurse did you find that the people around you would tell you stories then it's a really good job for observing people in extreme situations and it is a really good job for that. Because the stories just come flooding out? You just see humanity in all its messy glory, really. When you're a student nurse, you, you do about six or eight weeks in different areas. So you'll do psychiatry for eight weeks, hang about with the midwife, see babies being born. You'll go on the care of the elderly ward or surgery or... We go out with the ambulance drivers. You do a bit of everything in general nurse training and you see everything. And you're so busy. I mean, I had a child when I did my nurse training. You're so busy and you don't have time to process it all. But certain things stay in your head. While it all goes in, it's just generally life. Everything goes in and you don't think you remember things, but I'm sure it all just is a big, massive, messy jumble and... And little bits come out here, there and everywhere. These extreme situations, life and death matters in hospitals sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Does that make people open up in a different kind of way? People are people and they're all different how they react. That's the interesting thing. And you have to observe when you're a nurse. It's your job. People talk and tell you things. and A good training for a writer. If you're a writer, it doesn't matter what your job is, you'll be taking something from it, I suppose. Just walking down the street or... If you never went out of your house, if you're a writer, you're reading, you're taking in the whole world. And you always have done if you're a reader. If you love reading, you don't have to leave your house, really. <laughs> and you can have the best life by reading because you've got the best sentences, the best characters. And, yeah, so. <laughs> Do you not much like talking about it? Like you fear the kind of the magic, the witchery is going to evaporate. It's not so much that I don't like talking about it. I think it's hard to talk about because it's like if you say to someone, oh, yeah, I write or I like to write stories. They look at you like most people sort of look at you as if you and you can just see it in their eyes that they're thinking, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Neither think you're pretentious or, <laughs> or that you're just a bit like, oh, God. Most people aren't interested in the slightest. They just don't get it. I mean, if someone tried to speak to me about, you know, why you're in a plug, I would be the same. But if you love doing it, you just do it. And it's a very nice, intimate, enriching, personal thing to do. Eventually, you just don't really care. You have to just not care because someone will knock on the door and you'll be in your pyjamas at three o'clock in the afternoon. And you can see the thing. And what does she actually do? And you just have to not care, really. And just think, well, because you just do it and... Yeah. So when did you start writing short stories? 
when I was in my early 30s. I mean, I'd always liked reading and, you know, writing at school when I was very young. I went to a 20-week writing class. I just loved it from then. What are you working on now? A novel? No, I've tried with novels. And I think if I did try to write a novel again, it would have to be each chapter is a short story. Something like that might appeal, but I really like writing short stories. That's the ones for you? It gives us the most pleasure because I can hang around with someone in small doses, really. It's like I'm a bit like that with people, not everybody, but even the nicest person, you're lovely in small doses. And I think I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm like, not my husband, because I've known him since I was 15, not my kids or anything like that, but just most people, no matter how nice they are, I just want them in small doses. I'm sure they want me in. Probably not at all, never mind a small dose, but do you, know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's just, yeah. And it's the same for your characters. I think they could be like that. Oh, yeah. oh God, just go away now, you know. So maybe they're like that as well. It's a two-way thing. They don't want me hanging about with them all the time. Tell the story and be off. Yeah, I think so. We'll be heading off too. That was Shauna McKay. To read Matching Up the Pattern of the Join, as well as brand new stories from M. John Harrison, Irena Carper, Sean Patrick Burney and Catriona Bolt, search for Fictionable on your mobile, tablet, laptop or internet-enabled Ouija board. Go for subscribe in the menu on the right-hand side and you'll get a year's worth of exclusive new short stories and comics for £20. You'll also get the keys to our ever-expanding archive with fiction from writers including Edgar Kerrett, Adania Shibley, Lucy Caldwell, Jan Yanker and Serena Katt. We love hearing your thoughts about our podcast, our blogs and, of course, our stories. So at us on Mastodon, Instagram or Twitter or fire up your favourite email app and drop us a line on info at fictionable.world. You can even record us a voice note on your phone and send it to us at the same address. You might just wind up on the Fictionable podcast. Next week, we'll be welcoming Catriona Bolts, who's showing admirable restraint. I'm trying not to do too many so that my mum doesn't have a heart attack. Um, (laughs) And reading from her short story, Bloom. With thanks to Shauna McKay, that's all for this time. So from me, Richard Lee, and from everybody here at Fictionable Towers, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.